Hello and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Ariana Cascone. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we're back. We'll have some new voices and we'll be doing two podcasts per week as we get ready to take on the NWSL season and a huge year in women's soccer. It's Thursday, March 9th as we record this, and today we'll be starting the first of our season previews. But before we get into it, I'd like to introduce our special guest. You may know her from her Gotham FC coverage, but she does all things NWSL, Jenna Tonelli. Hey, Jenna, how are you? Um, hi, Ariana. I'm doing really well. I am really excited to be here. It's so nice to be here and chat in the BUSL and uh, get pumped for the upcoming season. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. So let's get into it. So this is the first episode in a series of previews that will release leading up to the weekend of March 25th, and that marks the start of the 11th NWSL season. So we'll be going team by team, and we'll start with the bottom of the 2022 table, and we'll make our way all the way up to the top. So today we'll be talking about Gotham, Washington Spirit, and Orlando Pride. So should we just get right into it? Yeah, let's just jump right in. Um, Happy to be starting with Gotham, which, you know, is the one I know the most about. But I'm really hoping that when we do these season previews next year, we will not be starting out with Gotham. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. So just to remind everyone where Gotham was last season, they finished in 12th place with place with just 13 points and they actually scored the fewest goals of all teams last season and they conceded the most so they scored 13 goals and they conceded 46 and they only won four games so they also went through two head coaches Scott Parkinson and Hugh Menzies so Jenna how would you describe Gotham's offseason after that kind of rough season last year Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want to relive the 2022 Gotham season. Um, So let's just talk offseason. And honestly, what an offseason it's been. They made some monster moves. They really revamped their roster. I mean, you know, they unfortunately had to waive some players or, you know, not renew some contracts with players that had been there for a while. Um, They traded Paige Monahan to Racing Louisville. Estelle Johnson went to North Carolina as a free agent. Um, You know, they did retain a lot of their top talent. Uh, Midge Purse just signed a contract extension, um, as did Victoria Pickett. They re-signed Ifeana Manu and Taylor Smith as free agents, uh, Mandy Freeman as well. Um, And then they picked up a top draft pick in Jenna Neiswanger. And then they also got via trades, Lynn Williams, Kelly O'Hara, Abby Smith, and Yasmin Ryan. So lots of movement. Yes. That's exciting. (laughs) Yes. And don't forget, they signed defender Neely Martin, who was way from Louisville. That's right. And then on the coaching side of things, they signed former Houston Dash coach Juan Carlos Amoros to a three-year contract. So what do you think of that move on on the coaching side, thinking about how many movements were made on the player side? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of good in a way because it's, it kind of feels like a, a new team, a fresh team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously Gotham has had some, some inconsistency in the coaching position over the past, uh, two years. You know, there have been what three, three to four different people in the, in that head coaching spot, whether interim or otherwise. Um, so, you know, Amaros, uh, signing a, a three year contract just kind of shows his commitment to Gotham and, and Gotham's commitment to the consistency. Um, in that position. Um, and I think that will make it so that the team can finally have that stability. So I'm really happy with that. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure they're happy too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about scoring. So pivoting to 
thinking more about the players. So they only scored 16 goals, was it, last year? So clearly they fell a little bit short. Um, and last season, their top goal scorers were McCall, Zerboni, Mitch Purse, and Paige Monaghan. And all of those players had three goals each. So you would think maybe that bringing in Lynn Williams would try to solve the goal scoring issue. I, I took a look at her numbers and she's scored at least seven goals in every full NWSL season she's played in, except of course for the fall series in 2020. But um, I think she'll really boost Gotham's attack. What do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, spot on. I think Lynn is a, a really great addition to the team, um, both scoring and otherwise. Um, you know, not that Purse and, and Anamanu haven't held their own. I mean, in 2021, they were both contenders for the golden boot up until the very last game. Um, but last season was tough. It was tough from top to bottom, scoring, defending all of it. So, you know, hopefully with Williams and just kind of this entire revamp they have going on, but with Williams, the team will have so much firepower in the attack that teams <laughs> won't know how to defend them. Um, you know, Amaro said at the draft that uh, Williams will help the team in a high press. He's really good at winning the ball back in those high, high spaces. Um, and that'll be really important for Gotham who really struggled to win the ball back when they lost possession last year. Yeah. I think that's a really underrated part of Lynn Williams game. Actually in her return to the national team recently, she was, her winning the ball back in the like in the middle third really set off a sequence that the United States ended up scoring um, off of. So I am a true Lynn Williams is great in transition player. Yeah, um, and it's great that she's advocate. doing that after coming off an injury like she had. So so yeah, so love it. <laughs> exactly. So thinking about their midfield, so taking maybe a step back from the forwards. Um, what do you think of Jenna Nyswanger? So she was a, a late entry to the NWSL draft and she ended up being selected fourth overall out of Florida State. So she had the second most assists in school history there. Um, and I think that's pretty impressive given that Florida State is kind of a national powerhouse. Um, so how do you see her fitting into Gotham squad? Yeah, I'm really interested to see how she fits in. Um, I know during the some of these preseason scrimmages, I think she was playing in the midfield, playing in the attack a bit because a lot of the attackers were out, you know, for national team duty. So who knows where where we'll see her? Honestly, um, you know, Amaros. This is something that that I recall that stuck out to me at the draft. Said, uh, you know, she was one of the few true left footers in the draft. So I'm envisioning many more assists for her in in the future. Maybe crossing that ball into the box. Um, so I'm sure wherever she's utilized, she's going to bring something special to Gotham. I, I was really excited to see her enter the draft late. There had been a lot of, you know, drum up about her and, you know, will she enter? Will she go to Europe? Um, so I think Gotham really, really lucked out on that. Um, so I'll have to kind of wait to see her in action before I, I can say anything else, but I, I'm just really excited to see a young player like that, um, come to Gotham. Yeah, I am too. And. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Allie Long. So I'm an Allie Long truther. She is That's returning right. <laughs> this year. So she's from Long Island, just like me. So I feel like I really have to, you know, just give her some flowers here. But so she was pivotal to Gotham's success, I think, at least in 2021. Um, she was a really big part of their, their ability to keep possession in the midfield. And her passing numbers really stood out among all players, but especially midfielders. So to me, that kind of says that she was quietly connecting Gotham's lines and I don't know if it was as obvious in 2021 until we got to 2022 and Gotham's midfield was struggling a little bit. And it was like, well, what's going on? And Ali Long was not there, right? Yeah, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Um, <laughs> yes. It's true. I mean, I 
I'm not from Long Island, but I am also an Alley Long Truther. Um, so I just love having her on Gotham and I'm so excited to have her back. Um, and yeah, I think she was really missing in that midfield, uh, last year. Um, she's just like such a calm presence on the field, like directing the ball, always keeping your head up, you know, picking out always the right pass. Um, so when I think her presence on the team in the locker room as a veteran with a World Cup, I mean, it's so important. And I think she helped Gotham out a lot in 2021. And I think she's set up to do that again in 2023. Can't believe we're in 2023. Um, You know, last year, something I noticed is that the team really bypassed their midfield and in the attack. So, um, you know, when they tried to play through, they often struggled, often lost possession. Um, so having her kind of direct the midfield again will be, I think, just as important in the attack as um in defense. So I really can't wait to see her back in action. Yeah, me neither. So we'll take another step back from the attackers and the midfielders and just think about who's in goal. So they Gotham has some options, right? Ashlyn Harris retired in the offseason, but now we have um, Michelle Betos, Abby Smith, or maybe the newly returned uh, from Sweden, Mandy McGlynn Hot. So do you have any inkling as to who might start? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, who's in goals? Like, who's on first? Like, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, But no, honestly, your guess is as good as mine. It's what a stacked, uh, you know, roster of goalkeepers that Gotham has. Um, You know, I asked Michelle Betos at Media Day about kind of like training with with the, you know, at Smith and and Hot. And, um, you know, she says what she said is iron sharpens iron. So they're all out there. They're all making each other better every single day. So I think any one of those three could be in goal. And I think any one of those three could be great. Um, and obviously there's also Hensley Hancock, who is on loan right now um, down in Australia. So, you know, when she enters the picture, that's a, a fourth, a really amazing goalkeeper. So um, I honestly can't make a prediction because I really don't know. Um, you know, all three keepers are strong. They're all at different points in their career. Um, they're all getting minutes in these preseason scrimmages. So, so yeah, we'll have to see. I'm excited to find out. <laughs> Yes, we won't have to wait too long, too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so before we move on to the Washington Spirit and the Orlando Pride, we'll just take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the Equalizer podcast. Before we continue, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Not only does it help people find us, but we'd love to get your feedback. It helps us bring you the best content on women's soccer, and we really enjoy hearing from you. Now let's get back and talk about the Washington spirit. The 2021 champions really had a fall from grace in 2022. So as a reminder, they had a successful Challenge Cup where they played and lost North Carolina, lost to North Carolina in the final. And then they started a really long winless streak that haunted them through the end of the season. They ended up finishing just above last place in 11th, and they only won three games, the fewest of all teams, and they recorded 10 draws last season, which was the most of all teams. So Jenna, what do you think happened there? Yeah, I mean, obviously the spirit is not as much of my wheelhouse as as Gotham, uh, but as my very smart wife Adriana always says, it, it's much harder to repeat than win for the first time, you know, as they did in 2021. Um, so 2021 was a tough year for spirit, um, off the field especially, uh, but they came together in a way that really allowed them to push through and win that championship, and it was, like, so inspiring, and um, I, I was there at the final. It was just, it was just great. Um 
but in 2022, they they really weren't able to to replicate the magic. And uh, part I, part of me thinks that um, it's because they had a really tough schedule. That Challenge Cup and the way that was kind of like you know shoehorned into the schedule really gave them a really tight schedule at one point where they had I think they had like at least one, maybe two weeks where they had like three games in a week. I, I can't remember, but it, it was one of the tightest schedules in the league. And I think a lot was asked of that spirit team last season with that. Yeah, this is totally true. I remember seeing, I think they played something like a third of their season minutes in some very wild window that was just too short. Yes. So, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so totally a lot, like very physically taxing, but also emotionally taxing on these players. Um, so in any case, I totally agree. And then, Thinking through, they had some challenges um, again. So just like Gotham, right, they had a head coaching turnover, or head coaching change. So Chris Chris Ward was fired, and then Albertine Montoya took over to end the season. And then in the offseason, Mark Parsons, who was previously of the spirit, and then Portland was hired uh, as the head coach l- late last year. So Parsons most recently was with Portland in the NWSL, but We have to remember that he was the head coach of the Netherlands women's national team for a pretty short stint, which ended up being a bit of a failed experiment from the outside. But so, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I was a bit surprised to see Parsons return to the NWSL when he left for the Netherlands. I was like, oh, okay, like, bye. That's, you know, that's his next (laughs) adventure. Um, So, yeah, to see him return, return to the spirit specifically. um, Yeah, I was surprised, but. Um, you know, maybe he is the man for the moment. We'll have to see. Um, I'm mostly just excited just like for Gotham for the spirit to have that consistency in coaching. It's it's so important. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, what are what are your thoughts on on Parson as a hire, just in general? Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised to see him come back too, because like you, I sort of thought, okay, he's you know, he's leaving the NWSL, he's done what he wanted to accomplish in the NWSL and he's moving on. Um And then I also have some kind of non-soccer thoughts about it, which really boil down to I was a little bit disheartened to see the recycling of a former coach from the league hired into this position. Just with the amount of coaching talent that's not being tapped into, I felt like, you know, Parsons has proved himself, but also, I don't know, I was just feeling that cognitive dissonance a little bit. But that aside, I think Parsons is probably a good candidate for this job. And after that down year, I think he's a good person to help the spirit try to find success because he has a record of success. So in Portland, he had more regular season wins and points than any other club during his stretch. So from 2016 to 2021. And then of course he brings postseason experience, right? He won a championship in the NWSL shield with Portland. So um that's, yeah. those are good things. If, if you're the spirit people doing the hiring. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, his NWSL success cannot be denied. It's it's so true. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how Parson can get this team back to their winning ways. Um, I personally want to see Trinity Rodman out there terrorizing some back lines because she is absolutely incredible. One of my favorite players in the league to watch. So yeah, for sure. So before we get to some of their um, attacking talent, let's talk a little bit about their offseason. So they had three of their four free agents signed. So Nicole Barnhart, Amber Brooks, and Tori Huster. And then Kelly O'Hara ended up signing with Gotham. And then Emily Sonnet, an NBCL and national team veteran, was traded to OL Reign shortly after Parsons took over. That's right. Um, a spirit team without Sana or O'Hara. It will be interesting. I mean, they weren't there for a ton of time, but 
I don't know. They they really felt synonymous with the spirit for me. I think because they won that championship with with the team, and um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But I'm so glad to see Tori Huster returning. Um, as everyone may remember, out last season with that Achilles injury, she picked up right before the 2021 final. So it's been a while since she's been back. But you know, having the captain back for for the team, I think, will be huge. Uh, her leadership, I think, can't be understated, and she's also just a great player. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Tori Huster take the field again. Um, I always get so excited when players come back from long-term injuries. I'm like, yes, you go. <laughs> yes, I know. I love it. I love it. It's, it's just great to see them. I, I can't even imagine how hard it is to work back from an injury like that Achilles, ACL. Yeah, you know, these players are doing it every single day. So, yeah. God, major kudos to them. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. I, I really like it. It's truly, it's like in, incredible. But anyway, I could go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Um, okay, so thinking about, in addition to these veterans, the mm-hmm. Spirit also made headlines for signing the youngest player in league history. So that's Chloe Ricketts. So she's three days younger, or she was three days younger than Olivia Moultrie of the Thorns was when... Uh, she's still three days younger. <laughs> oh, oh, that's true. Well, three days younger than Liv was, or Olivia Moultrie was when she signed right. the contract, right? Right, right, right. Is she, Wait, is she three days younger than Olivia Moultrie? Like, oh, wait a minute. Three? Maybe I misread that. <laughs> I might have misread that because that's we, hilarious. That we is should, hilarious. We, we should fact check ourselves. But anyway, <laughs> yes, still the youngest player to sign a contract. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so she signed a three years. She's got to be younger than Olivia Moultrie now. Because isn't Olivia Moultrie like 16 now? Uh, yes. I thought it was that she was three days younger than Moultrie was when Moultrie that's, signed her contract. Oh, my God. I'm so stupid. She's <laughs> Moultrie is 17. Yeah. <laughs> Can we cut this out? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving anyway, right yes. along. <laughs> yeah, so she she previously played with AFC Ann Arbor in the USLW League, so she's got some, you know, experience against uh against non high school non fifteen year olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yes, so that yeah. is Chloe Ricketts. Yeah, no, USLW, I mean, what a great league to play in. And, um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of seeing some USLW games over here, um, in the New York metropolitan area last summer. And, um, it, it's, it's a high level. So it's, it's great. And, um, I really, I wish her the best. Ricketts, I can't wait to see her out there. Um, I think there's definitely a larger conversation to be had about youth in the NWSL and like the difference between a college system, academies, Europe versus what you know the draft in the u.s and uh we definitely could have a whole podcast episode on that Absolutely. we should probably also have a whole podcast episode teaching me how to like read people's ages um but yeah that's <laughs> that's for another day <laughs> yes another day another day so getting back to what we were talking about right before um all of the young players signing with the spirit we'll talk about the spirits attack so thinking through coming off of their 2021 championship they returned uh, players that accounted for 80% of those that championship winning run. But yet they were really not good in 2022. So why why do you think that was? What was going on? Yeah, it was weird, right? Like, I, I mean, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't watch the spirit as closely as I watched Gotham per se. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing I kind of noticed is that they didn't press as much in 2022 as they did in 2021. 
Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't really know why it's, I, it's, it's hard. It's not really something I can put my finger on. I mean, they obviously still have Rodman. They have the Ashley's as I like to call them, Sanchez and Hatch. I mean, Hatch golden boot in 2021. Um, you know, this year Rodman already has three assists for the national team. Sanchez is very much in the picture of a possibility to go to the world cup. I mean, then you got Sanchez in that midfield with Andy Sullivan. Um, it, you know, I, I think, like I said, the scheduling issues, inconsistency with the coachings we were discussing, you know, sometimes sometimes it's hard to overcome. But I think they'll have a much better year this year. They've got Parsons at the helm. They're playing at Audi Field all season. I am so happy for them, <laughs> truly. Um, they have a solid ownership group. I mean, let's not forget that whole, like, Michigas that was going on with the the ownership. Um, so they'll have a level of consistency, um, you know, off the field that they lacked last season and hopefully a a more forgiving schedule, especially with how the challenge cup is constructed. Yeah, totally. We'll hope that with so many of the spirit players being tapped into the national team pool, that their roster is not too depleted Mm -hmm. come come the world cup. But so think thinking of their roster as a whole, the construction is a little bit interesting to me because they signed six first year players to contracts recently. So Parsons was saying that the team has a really dynamic mix of experienced players and young talent and that the players, uh, real, those players specifically have the attacking mindset that fans should expect to see. So that bit about having an attacking mindset for the spirit is interesting given, you know, all of the attackers that you just named, but, but in the context of how they're, I thought their backline just feels a little bit thin. So they have Tara, uh, Tara McKeown listed as a defender this year and Parsons actually confirmed today that they're looking at her as a center back, but she actually played over a thousand minutes as a forward for them last season. So I I don't know what to make yeah. of that. That's like so NWSL. You're, you're like, that's so Raven. That's so NWSL. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what their back line looks like, you know, with O'Hara and Sana out of the picture, you know, like who's going to be Sam Stobbs main partner, like back there, um, you know, um, Otherwise, you know, the Spirit feel like a solid team to me. Uh, you know, they had a tough year last year, but they could very well be back in the playoff picture. Um, and then, you know, thinking about McKeown in the, in, in, uh, as a defender, um, Parsons said today in that press conference that she's quote, got all the, all the qualities to be a top center back. So let's see. Um, you know, she said, uh, Parsons said she's doing a great job of learning in the position and growing. And, um, yeah, let's, let's see how it, how it shakes out. Yes. We will just see. All right. So moving on to the Orlando Pride, which is the last team we'll cover today. This is my sleeper team. Not to (laughs) cut you off, but okay. I want you to play this back for me in in September or October, whenever this season ends. But Pride are making the playoffs. You heard it here first. That's my hot take. Wow. Um, Yes. Okay. I'm going to play that back to you. I will remember. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put that in my calendar. Yeah. (laughs) I stand by it. I really, really do. (laughs) So, you know... Uh, and the reason I stand by it is because they've been killing it in preseason. They've won every single preseason match they've had so far. So um, let's see. They played FSU most recently on the fourth. They beat them 2-1. And that was the only goal they've conceded in a preseason scrimmage. Um, played UCF on the 28th, 1-2-0. Played Kansas City on February 23rd, beat them 2-0. Played Gotham February 18th, 1-2-0. Um, you know, I know these are scrimmages and it's preseason and all the teams are kind of working their things out. But that's pretty good. Um, you know, it, like I said, not that the preseason is end all be all, but, um, it's a good sign. And Seb Hines ha- will now have a full season to really make his mark here, um, putting together an impressing, impressive coaching staff. But I know I'm getting ahead of the conversation. I am just very, <laughs> I really, 
really sleeper team Orlando pride. <laughs> no, that honestly, it gets me a little psyched up. Like now I'm like, okay, maybe Orlando's my, like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but we're, yeah. Okay. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So thinking through last season, so they finished in 10th place with 22 points, um, 22 goals scored, 45 goals against. Like, I think what captures Orlando season for me last season is that they dipped below the playoff line after only, I think, five weeks of games, and then they stayed there indefinitely. So it really wasn't like they were, you know, fighting. There was a really tight playoff race in the NWSL, and I'm not really sure that Orlando was in the picture, was yeah. in the picture yeah. um, as much as some other teams. Um, but they also had some coaching changes throughout the season. So that's like the, a kind of a theme here. Amanda Cromwell and assistant Sam Green were placed on administrative leave during the season. And then Sam Hines was the interim head coach. And that tag has since been dropped, like you said. So he's hired as the official head coach uh, late last year. Um, and thinking about that turnover in the coaching staff, Orlando's returning the fewest minutes played of all teams for the second year in a row. So... Um, that is, I think it's notable because turnover in Orlando is clearly a trend. And so that kind of makes it hard to predict how the team will vibe and mesh on the field this season. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I didn't know that about, um, you know, in terms of the minutes played, like obviously anecdotal, anecdotally, you think of Orlando, you do think of some of that turnover, but mm-hmm. um, that is interesting to kind of see the numbers there. Uh, but, you know, I think it's worth mentioning a lot of positive off the field changes at Orlando, um, you know, as, as we've mentioned, Seb Hines is head coach, uh, Haley Carter coming on is uh, vice president of soccer operations and GM, um, bringing in Yolanda Thomas as a assistant coach who came from WPSL um, in Tulsa. She has a USSFA license, college coaching experience. So it just sounds like they're building a really good, you know, technical staff in front office to, to, to get this Orlando team into that playoff consideration to be Jenna Tonelli's sleeper team. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. I mean, th- so uh, Haley Carter actually spoke with our very own Jeff Kasuf, and she told the Equalizer that Orlando has been a history of churn. And so consistency and clear and transparent communication have been priorities for her and for, you know, the rest of the staff that they're bringing on. So I think that's a step in the positive direction off the field for Orlando. And I, I really do think it'll translate on the field this year. Yeah, um, I love that. So um, some positive changes coming out. Yeah. Happy to see it. So looking at their off season, would you, so you say, you're saying it's their year, right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, they've had some turnover, but I think it's good turnover in the sense that they brought on some key additions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Summer Yates, the highly anticipated Emily Madrill defender, um, exciting draft pick Messiah Bright. And Bright in particular um, is really exciting to me. Um, I mean, a three-year contract as a rookie, that's, to me, that's like, hello, <laughs> talented <laughs> forward out of TCU. I think she can make an immediate impact on this team. Yeah, totally. And thinking about Summer Yates, she's she's an offensive-minded midfielder out of Washington, and I'm really excited to see what she can bring, too. Um, and with Madrill, she has some professional experience already, actually, in Sweden. So she played at FSU, and then she signed a contract right. with the NWSL, last summer before she went to play abroad. So I really think that she's going to be an immediate choice for Orlando at center back. And I'm really excited to see given um, what Naomi Germa last year, center back first year and was just lights out. So it's, you know, it would be cool if we sort of had that same thing and what happened in Orlando this year. 
Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of like a center back, a defender being rookie of the year, play, mm-hmm. like a player of the year and all that. So um, yeah, that's absolutely great. And then let's not forget, Marta is back. Um, you know, she came on for Brazil during She Believes and gets an assist in like 0.2 seconds. So <laughs> Marta is back. Um, you know, her leadership again will be really important to pride and, and just seeing her out there is just like, honestly, like an honor to watch her play. Um, and then she has a, a fellow Brazilian player, Adriana on, on the pride. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, to see her there too. Um, but one of the things I think in terms of question marks around pride is goalkeeping. Um, you know, obviously they had Aaron McLeod, uh, leave in the off season. Um, she played uh, almost 2,000 minutes in goal for the Pride. Um, so they had, I, I think, the the next goalkeeper behind her was Anna Morehouse, got 196 minutes. So, you know, who's next in line? Uh, is it Morehouse? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the team also has Kaylee Collins, who was drafted in 2021, and then McKinley Crone, who was a non-roster invitee. But um, if Morehouse is not the number one, I could see Carly Nelson being the go-to. So, Nelson signed a two-year contract with a one-year option um, back in January, and she's actually coming back from having played two seasons in the Danish top flight, so getting some professional games under her belt, some professional shutouts. Um, But ultimately, sort of like Gotham, I'm not really sure who will be between the sticks. So I'm curious to see how this shakes out, but lucky for us, we will get to see in just a few weeks. That's right. Um, March 26th, it's or 25th rather. 26th is when Gotham has their first game. So <laughs> yes, in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> that's right. I'm like, the 25th doesn't count. It's just the 26th. <laughs> it's the only thing that's happening. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, so this is really fun to, to chat about yes. these, these three teams. I, I know we didn't make a ton of predictions except for my Orlando Pride sleeper team. Um, but yeah, well, you convinced see- me. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, I'd love to honestly see all three of these teams and back in the, in playoff contention, um, this season. So, um, yeah. So let's see how it goes. Yeah. So thank you for everyone. Thank you to everyone for joining us today. And thank you, Jenna, for your insight in this great conversation. No problem. I'm glad to be insightful and not understand (laughs) how ages work. (laughs) (laughs) So we'd like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back soon with more on The Equalizer Podcast. Until next time.